Welcome to the King's Table. Welcome to the King's Table, a podcast of Christ the Lord Church in Dayton, Ohio. The King's Table exists to help people know, love, and obey Jesus as Lord over all. From the altar table to the dinner table, the conference table to the pool table, because Jesus is Lord over all. Hey guys, welcome back. We're here this week talking some more about discipline. We talked to before about this, and we really kind of walked away by describing our side of, of some of this and, and setting the record straight, and then trying to start to discuss some of the perceptions of others, and specifically the way that churches relate to each other and how we want to relate to other churches in this. So that's more where we want to launch off today, because we have this whole aspect with discipline that seems to butt up against other churches in some different ways. And if we're all about building Christendom, which we are, and we like to think that these other churches are as well, we really want to work together if possible. But some of these things that we keep running up against, whether it's other church leaders or other church members or just other churches' statements of faith, start to put us into some weird tension when it comes to actually building Christendom together. Yeah, yeah. go ahead. I was going to add, <laughs> I, got things to, I got things to say. Um and I would uh, clarify that we're not talking about the kind of no-duh situations, churches that are flying rainbow flags, or the church that read recently the Sparkle Creed. Yeah, who actually wrote the Sparkle Creed. <laughs> That's true, they wrote it. <laughs> she Which wrote was it. a bizarre, you should go Google it, right? On YouTube, <laughs> yeah. it's a bizarre thing to watch. We should plant churches with them. Exactly, no. Th- you mean plant trees with them. <laughs> Which is, well, you watch that, side note, it's quite demonic, but... We're not talking about that. And I think what can happen sometimes with the craziness of the world in which we live, um, it's easy to uh, take shots at the, um, the big you know, hot button issues. Mm-hmm. But those are, you know, for Christians, those, should, those things should be gone after. But we obviously know that those things aren't good. We're talking more about um, churches that on their website and on paper look faithful, mm-hmm. right? And if you get a snippet of a sermon or maybe even a full sermon, but not a full sermon series, they sound faithful. But then when you get into the actual like workings, uh, inner workings of that church, mm-hmm. that's where we're getting into issues. And, and I've been saying for a little while that that's the reason that we're in the state that we're in. The reason that we have churches flying rainbow flags and reading from sparkle creeds is because, quote unquote, faithful churches have not been as faithful as, as they should have been. Yeah. And, and in particular on the things that really matter like church discipline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think, I think this is what happens. You've got, when, when we think about church relationships, you've got on the, on the surface, all right, we believe these things. This is our statement of faith. This is what we're going to preach from the pulpit. Then from there, you know, you think about, all right, how do we relate to each other? All right, well, we might go do this outreach event together, or we might, you know, agree on these doctrines, and so we're going to partner in this way, and 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 that's all like that's pretty easy. It doesn't. There's not a whole lot of rubber hitting the road there. But then you you've got these churches again that we consider would generally consider faithful churches that would proclaim to to believe things like um, God's holiness. And the responsibility of God's people to represent God and His holiness. Well, where the question is, where where does that actually begin to be tested? Um, whether or not a church actually uh, practices and believes and upholds God's holiness, and how it would impact church partnership. That, that's, that's the question. Where, where does, if a church says, I, we believe that we should practice God's holiness and we should hold God's people accountable, you don't really bump into that very much, whether or not they actually believe that. You don't really bump into that in just, hey, we're going to go do a block party together, or hey, we're going to go to the Gospel Coalition together, or hey, we're going to do these events together, where you bump into whether or not a church actually practices and believes in, and upholds God's holiness 
and expects that from their people is is in the realm of church discipline, particularly when it comes to members moving from one congregation to the next, mm-hmm. and specifically when it involves a matter of discipline. That's when you discover whether or not another congregation and its leaders actually practice what they preach. Mm-hmm. Why does it come down to that specifically? Why does it come down to... Is it just because you like discipline and you're power hungry and abusive and all these other things? No, it's mm. because this is the <laughs> one area where relationships actually meet. Yeah. yeah. Every, everything else in our doctrine has to do with our particular orientation towards God, right? Mm-hmm. It, it rubs on each other, certainly. But when we get to this actual point of practice, this is where that covenantalism aspect relates to one mm-hmm. to another. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it's not it, the differences that we have, and we'll talk about some of these in a minute, over baptism or whatever, uh, and things like that. Uh, we can still work with other churches that might practice a different mode of baptism. Uh, that's not a relational one together thing. But when we're talking about the passing of people and whether or not we actually hold two covenant together on these things, well, that that's where the rubber meets the road. Yeah, that's why it necessarily impacts relationships because it is purely relational. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it just just to reemphasize it, it puts front and center for the other churches walking alongside that church in the same region. It puts front and center whether or not they actually practice what they preach when it comes to God's. Because the reason I bring that up is not because it's a preference thing on for us. Because a lot of people will see that discipline is optional, right? Mm. Or, or, or there's a softer way to do it. We still do it, but it, it's essentially optional. We're saying it's not optional, and that's why it's front and center. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's not simply because we enjoy it or because we want to have the most cases or whatever. You know, yeah, it's not a preference thing. It's a theological issue for yeah. us. It's it's not, and the reason it's not optional, just to reiterate, is because God's holiness is not optional, and God's holiness for God's people is not optional. Yeah, that's why. So, would you say that a church that wouldn't practice any kind of church discipline, what would you say about that church? I would say it's not a church. Yeah. Because we've I, had, I would say it's a country club, it's right. a VFW hall, it's it's whatever, and that's fine. Just don't call yourself a church. Yeah, uh, I've had conversations with pastors before. I mean, this spans all of my um, time as a pastor, which has been a while now. Who, when you talk about church discipline, it's always kind of well, you know, they had a bad experience with it, or like some of their people had a bad experience with it. Yeah, so they're just not going to do it. And they'll usually be like, well, we're not going to put those people in a position of leadership, but to, but to like call them to the carpet and to like bring their sin before the, the congregation to call them to repentance. No, they look at you like, like you're crazy, mm-hmm. you know? Well, and then you, what about Matthew 18? Well, and there's some other kind of excuse that's made. So I agree with you, Matt, um, that it's not a church. Yeah. So you, th- again, and those are a bit of a, well, no duh, right? You say that you don't do any, and usually they don't have any kind of um, real, like, um, meaningful, vibrant covenant membership. If there's no discipline. Because when we talk about a church that practices discipline, what we mean is church, a real good church membership, right? Yeah. And so... They go hand in hand. They go hand in hand. So usually you're not going to have much emphasis there. And so it's just kind of, you find that a lot in kind of um, come easy, go easy churches, attractional churches, Big churches, mega churches—they don't know who the flock among them really is, and in some of those cases, the less they know, the better, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? Because uh, they don't have to take responsibility for those situations. Again, that's kind of a no duh. But what's what you're seeing more and more of is churches, in particular, churches that claim to be reformed um, and to hold high these things, don't. When it gets down to the nitty gritty, yeah, you know, it was early on as the like the local gospel coalition chapter was forming in this area, and it, I mean, uh, the credit goes to you, Russ. Like just mentioning early on, like the test of this network is going to be uh, church discipline, mm-hmm. um, and I, I would add to that uh, the reason is because it's the it's the test of many things, but again, the test of whether or not we actually believe and practice and and hold people to God's holiness mm-hmm. um, and and uh, because that's where this partnership 
begins to rub. Mm-hmm. Um, it gets, begins to be tested. Yeah, we spent a year yeah. and a half going through the TGC's statement of faith, tackling each one one topic a month. Yeah, and ministry philosophy yeah, and, and all that. Fo- yeah, and everyone's basically for the most part like, yeah, yeah, cool. Good to see you again. <laughs> you <know? laughs> right. And yeah. I, there should have been conversations of, so what are you going to do, Church B, when we have a member who's disciplined here come to your congregation? That we should have been having those conversations. Yeah, and we would have heard, you know, 10 different responses, which yep. is sad, but there would have well, been... There would yeah. have been an opportunity to playbook that. Right, and this is typical of believers who talk big and, and act little, right? It, and I'm talking about this Sunday as we continue to talk about faith in Hebrews 11, that our faith is tested so that our faith might be proven. Is it genuine or not? Mm-hmm. Right. Or, cause so when the pressure is applied, what's really on the inside comes out. And so, you know, when you sit together with a group of local pastors and you walk through it, you know, this is what discipline is. Everybody's like, yeah, nice to see you again. Mm-hmm. But then when you have a member who's bolted or who's under discipline from us um, and they find a, a home, a refuge in a church down the street, <laughs> you know, and, and, and by uh, trying to adhere to the scriptures and be faithful, mm-hmm. we, we call that out. Um, hoping for their repentance and hoping that those churches would love them enough and will ultimately love God's holiness enough and the scripture enough to uh, to walk with us in that. And they say, nah, we're good. So when, when the pressure is applied, because when it, discipline's hard, discipline's difficult, discipline doesn't make friends. It's not good to see you anymore. Right, it's not good to see you anymore. <laughs> Literally, leave us alone. <laughs> well, and that's what's happened to that chapter. I mean, there's still some people to get together, and we still visit on occasion, but the, the multiple instances of this, and not just with us, have blown that group up over the years. Yeah. yeah. On this yeah. one thing. Yeah. yeah. And, and what I've noticed is you've got uh, at best, really foolish and sinful sheep, and at worst, wolves, and probably most of it in the middle, goats, mm-hmm. that are running around destroying partnerships between churches uh, because leadership is foolishly handling these that's, things. That's what's so heartbreaking to me is that forever I have always given and still try to uh, give the benefit of the doubt to fellow elders out there. Yes, you know? always. And it's just increasingly more difficult yeah. <laughs> to, to hold them in high regard. Yeah. yeah. Uh, because this is really proving to be a test of that we're still in need of reformation. Mm. I remember early on in planting I had some uh, – some friends of mine they were asking, so what does it mean to be a reformed church? Like, is it just tulip and stuff like that? Like, no, just it's a Calvin guy. It's more than it's more than Calvin. It's more than than those things. But this is an example of how this theology actually meets practical application. Mm. And who are we as a people? And then who are we as the people, the churches? Right? Yeah. It goes beyond us. So, well, I, I think go ahead. one of the helpful things for us would be kind of pushing towards this question of by what standard, because that seems to be the dialogue that we get from other churches as we pursue uh, reconciliation with people that have left, or they, if God willing, those, those pastors come to us and say, hey, we got this person, what should we do? The by what standard becomes the question, and on several fronts, and we can talk about different ones, but what does this word in the scriptures mean? What does gossip mean? What's the definition for that? Yeah. What is slander? What is what is covenant? What is faithful? What are what are these things? What's the standard? Because then you also have that same question applied to things like, well, what's worth breaking fellowship over? Mm-hmm. You know, those are are difficult questions to ask. But these aren't not necessarily questions that you have to wait to answer. Yeah. Well, we can have answers to all these things up front, or we should. And that, I think, even if there's minor disagreement, will allow, though, those churches to still work together because they know what they believe. Yeah. yeah. You don't have to wait three years to finally get a letter from someone to actually know what they think about something. Yeah, well, let me say something that it might clarify what you just said. Uh, I think it might be confusing. We're not getting the question of by what standard. Mm-hmm. What What we're getting is is this law has been transgressed or you've not done well in this way or you didn't do this. And we're the ones saying, okay, like I hear you. I I, I understand what you're saying. 
But my question is, is by what standard is is that being judged? Mm-hmm. Am I being judged? Are we being judged? By what standard? And that's the thing. No one wants to have that conversation. Mm-hmm. It's I want to drop a bomb and then I'm 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 not going to argue with you, you know, because I because I don't do that. Uh, that would be too mean, um, which is a cheap cop out. Because well, you're unapproachable. Yeah, True. yeah. Christians you're just setting yourself up, and we're saying, well, by what standard? Yeah. Because um, it's hard to see frequently where that standard is coming from in the scriptures. Yeah. And even the things that that could come from the scriptures in a standard that's being set. The the question is again is are 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 you're not even willing to talk about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so let's talk about that for a second. By what standard? Because I was gonna I was thinking earlier, um, Russ, when you were talking about giving the benefit of the doubt to another group of elders, and we always have by God's grace, I have always um, pushed for that. I've always um, strived for that, and I've seen you guys. We're do the even same advocating thing. for that still here. Still advocating I for mean, that, yeah. When someone, when new people come to us, yeah, with a sob story, we're like, yeah, okay, oh right. There's we'll, been, we'll see. We're gonna go talk to your elders, right? How many times have we been in, you know, uh, a membership interview, and something comes up, we say, hey, we're gonna check that out, and I'm gonna give those elders the benefit of the doubt. They have walked with them, right, mm-hmm. and uh, and usually. There's a lot more that needs to be heard there from those elders, in my experience. <laughs> so when you talk about what, 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 by what standard, um, one of the things that we're seeing as a standard is, it, like Matt was just saying here, is not the scriptures, but is um, that in the last three years, especially as, as really as the pressure has been applied, was inside people has come out, is that. All leadership can't be trusted. All leaders are bullies, and the voice of the people, you know, especially the oppressed people, especially victims, or in particular those who felt like that they were victims, or felt like they had a good read on it, or this was their experience. We're going to take their um, word over that of the biblical leaders that God has set up. So those are some standards that we see running around in our culture, rampant versus the standard of the Scripture. Um, what do you guys think about that? I hear you keep uh, throwing in the uh, the magical key to all that, which is, I felt this way. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. It's, That's, it's the rise of, I feel this way as the standard. That, I would say that, that name's the standard. Mm-hmm. It's your appeal to authority right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And every complaint that we would make, there's always an appeal to something somewhere. Mm-hmm. And that's that's it. Which is yeah, just a major talking. tenet of critical theory. Mm-hmm. Right, that people have bought into. Yep. Yeah. So, so let's get to like what what things then are worth breaking fellowship over? Because that's that's kind of the drive of this of this topic is all right. So, church discipline is kind of where the rubber meets the road on church relationships. That's really going to cut that thing down the middle. Mm-hmm. So, then what are the things that uh, are church relationship related church discipline related that would be like all right man i just i don't think we can recommend this place or these elders i don't think we can partner together with them this is uh relationship breaking worthy so what are some of those uh examples i have more of a um, a summary rant that I'll I will want to give in a little bit, <laughs> but to set that up, um, I think that when we talk about these things, people are going to want to say that these are just uh, ministry philosophy differences, mm. right? Yeah. Did you say that already? No. No. I didn't think so. <laughs> ministry philosophy differences. It's just you guys' ministry philosophy. I said hmm because I've heard that from people mm-hmm. before. <laughs> it's just. This isn't really a biblical issue. This is just your ministry philosophy, which is their fancy way of saying preferences, um, even though we're not allowed to say preferences. Uh, so this is just a ministry philosophy. Okay, potentially. Let's see. Can we talk about that? No, we can't talk about that. Right. Oh, okay. Right. That, that's Guys, this is our experience. This, this has happened with multiple churches. When we actually start to talk about ministry philosophy with them, they don't want to have that conversation. Because it turns out it's a biblical issue. 
Yeah. And so when we start bringing the Bible to bear on it, because that's where we get our ministry philosophy, all of a sudden we can't have that conversation well, anymore. So everything is a biblical issue. Oh, really? Oh, right. Huh. I was encouraged by Alistair Begg recently. He's talking about current issues, and he said, let me just remind you, this is a Bible problem. If, if a society, and in particular if churches, stop holding to the authority and sufficiency of Scripture, this is the result. Right. So what you have is someone who, a, a leader of another church, stepping up to bat to this conversation by setting up a non sequitur. Exactly. There's nowhere to go. It doesn't follow. Yeah. And and one one way that people will do that is say, well, this is a wisdom issue. Same thing. And, and we can so we can dance in that realm. Okay. We can talk ministry, like you said. We can talk ministry philosophy. We can dance in the realms of wisdom, but wisdom and foolishness. Ministry philosophy is all informed by what? The scriptures. By the scriptures, mm-hmm. right? That That's where it comes from. Well, so we, be- we agree on the scriptures. It's just how you <laughs> apply the scriptures. Right. So we can spend a year and a half talking about a ministry, uh, a doctrine statement, and agree on that, but then it's how you apply it. Okay, well, let's talk about that. So, for instance, we're talking about actual true covenant fidelity versus mm-hmm. just rote covenantalism. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about these spiritual or these uh, church discipline issues, we're talking about a spiritual covenantal family that has been established here at Christ the Lord that they have signed their name to that even has the instructions for how to leave lest they feel trapped under mm-hmm. our leadership, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's in writing. <laughs> it's it's right there. So and we're saying that should you breach this covenant, and if you if that language sounds a little overbearing to you, I'd encourage you to read Deuteronomy mm-hmm. or in, in Exodus. Mm-hmm. Um, read those things. Just, just read your Bible. Yeah, maybe read the first two chapters of Judges. You know, and so if you are entering into a covenant here with these people, should you breach that covenant and remain in unrepentance? That, mm-hmm. I'm going to say that again, and remain in unrepentance, mm-hmm. right? Then these covenant curses will fall on you. Mm-hmm. What we don't simply mean is that the Bible speaks to us in covenants. Right. That's right. That's right. Let's go. Yeah. What, what we mean is... We know the Bible speaks in covenants. That's how we preach. Yeah. But you got yeah, well, That's not what we're talking about here. No, because what we're saying is God always relates to his people mm-hmm. yeah. in covenant. Mm-hmm. Yep. So yes, the Bible does speak in covenants. That's cool. Mm-hmm. I agree. But it doesn't just do that. So if you're not truly reformed, well, then we just read the Bible. Mm-hmm. And we don't truly understand how God's relating to us right now. We have an accurate message in the sermon, but we don't actually understand how we are being brought to relationship, into fellowship with this holy God. Yeah. And what his expectations are. Mm-hmm. Which, again, he does an exodus. He establishes a nation for the first time in all of the world. And he says... You're my people. I will be your God. Here's how to be in fellowship with me. You're the only right. people that get it. And here's the instructions. This is the covenant I make with you, and I will keep it. Mm-hmm. Right? So then how does that impact the rest of your church? What well, we're calling you to actual fidelity to that covenant. Yeah. Yeah. And so then when someone goes to or breaks that, mm-hmm. they have comf- uh, covenant infidelity. And they go to another church that upholds, Mm -hmm. ignores, makes light of their covenant infidelity. Mm -hmm. Then it means that that church does not believe in covenant fidelity. That's right. Right. Yeah. So you have, you know, another nation across the Jordan saying, hey, we like all that Israelite stuff, too. We, We might think that we are as well. Come over here. We, we would be happy to have you. Mm-hmm. We also like the Yahweh and, <laughs> and and do those things. Bring your bread and your grape juice, right? Yeah. So, um, But what you do is you make a mockery of the covenant that you're supposed to be the representative of on earth, Second mm-hmm. Corinthians 5, right? Yeah. So that's where if, if God always relates to his people through covenant and we're to exemplify that, uh, then when you have a church make light of uh, covenant fidelity— they're making light of the way God always interacts with his people mm-hmm. from Adam on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that that that's why we would put that in the 
the relationship breaking, the fellowship breaking category. Yep. So that's one implication. There's another implication. What does that implication then say about the curses that come from the authority of the covenant heads? Tell Which, us, Russ. So in, in this particular case, you would be looking back at God and saying, your curses that you gave here are unjust. Yep. Yeah. The consequences that you are meeting out to me for my failure to keep covenant are unjust. Mm -hmm. You are unjust, God, right? So what's the what's the typical refrain then back to the covenant mediators here the, of the leaders, right? Mm -hmm. Your leadership of these people was unjust. Right. You're holding them to account for this covenant unjust. There's no way out. You're bullying them. There's no way for them to speak to you. All of these other things that come with it are not true. Yeah. And so you make a mockery not just of the covenant, you make a mockery of of God in his his appointing of leadership, right? Acts 20. This is a biblical issue. It's not a ministry philosophy thing. It's right. Yeah, yeah. There's implications for across the board off of this one thing. And and here's here's where we, we understand. Like, we get it. We loved them too. Mm -hmm. We know why you want to welcome them and care for them. It's hard. Right. You want to be gentle with them. We want all that. We're happy that you would even do that. Sure. So do all that and say, now make it right. Yeah. Well, and I would say, yeah, <laughs> That's right. yeah, we we loved them too, and we still love them. Yes, and we love them more than you do because we are calling them to walk in faith and repentance. And you do not love Hebrews twelve God enough. Thus, you do not love them enough to call them to do the same. Mm -hmm. So you offer them a false peace. Yep. And there is no peace without righteousness first. So that's so I can just go ahead and rant, roll right into my rant, and we can go with some more examples in a minute. What's worth making fellowship over? Heresy. This is absolutely yeah. heretical pastoral malpractice, mm -hmm. right? Now we're moving from oh yeah, we agree over you know a year and a half of doctrinal statement stuff to, well you know it turns out when you get down to it, um, we're just actually the people who Jude was writing about, mm -hmm. right? I mean yeah. if you look at Jude, we've got here at verse five. Though you already know all this, I want to remind you that the Lord at one time delivered His people out of Egypt. At one time, these people that were there looked like Christians. They looked like mm -hmm. Israelites. They were saved even by God in this delivering act. Yeah. But later he destroyed those who did not believe. Oh, wait. There's a, a portion of those people who don't actually believe? Mm. Oh, well, now what? And the angels who did not keep their positions of authority but abandoned the property. This happens beyond just humans? But they say they believe. But, the, yeah. <laughs> and, and but there's a collection of them. What's what's waiting for them? They're bound with everlasting change for judgment on the great day. Wait, that's the thing that we're warning these people about. Yes. Yeah. That that, that they should be saved from. And you're well, saying, don't worry about that. Yeah. And let's not miss it. There, there's a. It's a they. It's plural. Mm -hmm. oh, right? yeah. This is not a person who identifies it's not just as they. It's not just taken. It's not just a person who identifies <laughs> as a they. This is this is they. A mm -hmm. big group of they who mm -hmm. all are probably singing the same chorus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Verse 7, in a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. They serve an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. Well, Pastor Rusty, we're not, these people didn't commit sexual immorality or perversion. Oh, oh, they didn't. Really? Because Judges tells me that when people don't keep covenant and remember the God that they have united to, have hoard themselves around with mm -hmm. other nations. Yeah. yeah. So that sounds like a little bit of that to me. Yeah, it sounds like sexual infidelity. Mm-hmm. So you, you continue on in here, and they say, woe to them, they've taken the way of Cain. They have rushed for profit into Balaam's error, right? Like, is it, is it us who are seeking power over these people? Is it us who are seeking, I don't know, all these other things, which, which oh, no. <laughs> these people are blemishes at your love feast, eating with you without the slightest qualm. Shepherds who feed only themselves. Mm -hmm. And so, the, man, these other churches who are letting these people come in who have been war marked and warned, right? Mm -hmm. When we talk about church discipline, the idea of binding them here is that they are already bound in heaven. Yes. Mm -hmm. it, it, is a, it is a marker for heaven. And so you're saying, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that they should heed potentially the warning from verse 14. Enoch the seventh from Adam prophesied about them see the lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones to judge everyone and to convict all of them of all the ungodly acts that they have committed in their ungodliness and of all the defiant words ungodly sinners have spoken against him 
These people are grumblers and fault finders. They follow their own evil desires. They boast about themselves and flatter others for their own advantage. Mm. So I just want you to review how many times he said ungodly, uh, first of all. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was a few times, which sounds to me like a biblical issue, not a ministry philosophy Mm. thing. Mm -hmm. Also, to me, it sounds like we're dealing with the holiness of God, like Mm. you mentioned earlier, right? Mm. And how does he summarize them? They're grumblers, fault finders, follow Mm. their own evil desires. They boast about themselves. They flatter others for their own advantage. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying, like, if these things are still issues for you years after the fact, you might find yourself in verse 16. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah. So if if this is just your experience that you're that you're relating, and that's that's the authority, well, you have a hard time finding that here when we get into Jude, when we get into Galatians five. Yeah. So I'm yeah. gonna pass the mic because I need a drink <laughs> <laughs> of coffee. Oh man, there's lots of other examples. I, I think mean, I think what you have, and and Jude ties right into this, is. You have a lack of pastors with a spine, yeah. and and why is that? Where's that at in in Jude here? Shepherds who feed only themselves. Mm-hmm. There are clouds without rain, blown along by the wind. Autumn trees without fruit, and uprooted, twice dead. They are wild waves of the sea, foaming up their shame. Wandering stars for whom blackest darkness has been reserved forever. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean that that's. That's a pretty stuff. dreadful, heavy picture, yeah. right? And and so if if there's not a concern for the holiness of God demonstrated by holding people accountable to the holiness of God, then uh, that's what Jude is like. It's not the only thing Jude's talking about, but but this is a bunch of people who don't care about the holiness of God, <clears throat> and these people are grumblers, fault finders. And they follow their own evil desires. So if they knew their Bible, they would probably jump to verse 22 to 23 and say that they're doing this. All right. So this is after, you know, this is some instructions some positive instructions to us. It says, be merciful to those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire to show others mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. They're saying they're trying to be patient. They're trying to love them. They're trying to. Brothers. If you're if you are a pastor of a church, we have already done that. Mm-hmm. That is why they have been excommunicated. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. That's a good word. Yep, that's good. You yep. you are not doing what you think you are doing. You are, I'm hoping, accidentally doing all the stuff that Matt just listed. Yeah. The danger is that Jude seems pretty certain that they're doing it on purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Having a spine, man, that's that's where it comes, I think, for us of breaking fellowship over because we're dealing at this point with moving from disagreements about mode of baptism, church government, eschatology, these types of things that are fun that we, we have lunches over because we're allowed to you know charge a church for them, um, those types of things, into, like, this is false teaching, guys. Yeah. We're, we're past the line of heresy now. If you're not going to do what the Bible say, then we're not on the same team. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, that's a an offense running a playbook that doesn't agree on the playbook. Mm-hmm. And so, you, and you are just as dangerous as the rainbow flying Sparkle Creek Church. Mm-hmm. Your church will be end up being full. You're, of, you're worse. Yeah, you you actually exactly you're right. You're worse, and your church will end up being full of just goats waiting to be slaughtered. Mm-hmm. And but since it seems that the majority is always the one that wins if there's enough people, you know, <laughs> decrying the situation, if there's enough people shouting the choruses of, you know, being abused, then you will think that uh, you're doing the right thing. Yeah, but mm. but what happens well, is right here, in the last times there will be scoffers who will follow their own only God's desires. These are the people who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and mm. do not have the spirit. Yeah, and, and it's heartbreaking that that's what's dividing churches and elders, mm-hmm. uh, elder brothers who would love each other and could do good ministry together. Yes, are being divided over scoffers right. by scoffers. Yep. By scoffers. Yeah, and we desire who, who do what follow their own ungodly desires. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And then, and what's really tricky here is you want know, to think about like a lack of pastors with a spine, is that it's really easy to magically grow a spine 
when you can throw a stone across town, mm-hmm. right? Which you might be saying, hey, well, that's what you're doing right now. You're just throwing stones across town. But that, but the issue is, is we actually practice that discipline within the body. That's why we're having this very conversation. Yeah. But so it's easy to feel like you have a spine because it's easy to throw punches towards other leaders that you don't run with every day. Mm-hmm. But do you throw the, the same kind of punches towards the sheep for whom you're accountable yeah. to? Mm-hmm. It is not hard to enable scoffers. Mm-hmm. It's no. not hard to, to pacify goats. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's hard. They eat anything. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> they will eat any garbage you throw at them, right? Um, and so you, if you want to find a church that is actually worth its salt, you will find a church that is willing to do the hard work of discipline because you're not doing this to earn any brownie points. Yeah. You know, this that, is not the way to fill your pews up in the realm of, you know, quick, easy growing churches and attractional models. Yeah. You know, I think if I was looking for a church, that would be my question it would be, tell me the last five church discipline cases you had. Yeah. Yeah. What was the circumstances surrounding it? Yeah. Uh, just roughly, you know, yeah. I don't, I don't need to know what I don't need to know, but tell me, right? What did you guys uphold? What was it over? Right. Yeah. And and the reason this is such an important conversation right now, in in the world in which we find ourselves is, is that um, good is being called evil and evil is being called good, right? And and so now evil is Absolutely. being ex- exalted. And so everything that we Russ is about to say something. I'm going to let you keep going. Uh, okay, Kanye. I'm going to Kanye you. <laughs> Verse 10. Yet these people slander whatever they do not understand, and the very things they do understand by instinct, as irrational animals do, will destroy them. Right. So Woo. continue. Man, yeah. you're on fire. <laughs> Jude's a little little punchy book. <laughs> it's really easy to read. It's super maybe, short. Maybe we should go short. to Jude next. I would, we could do that. That'd be fun. That'd be really fun. Yeah. It'd be fun. One, we can, we can one make some, verse. <laughs> you know what we'll do? We'll make some old cassette tapes and we'll mail them. Yes. Sounds good to me. <laughs> so I, the, the evil in the world that's being called good and discipline is there to preserve the purity of God's bride, the purity of God's church, to uphold the holiness of God. And so you're going to find these churches that don't hold discipline uh, in uh, as much seriousness as the scripture requires begin to slowly slip towards the craziness and and that sounds like a crazy statement and for those who you know would disagree with what we're saying because it's a holiness issue but it's a holiness issue exactly they do not take seriously the holiness of god right and those who do not take care seriously the holiness of god in every issue will eventually open the door to all kinds of ungodliness and craziness mm-hmm. absolutely right and it, it's just around the corner for them mm-hmm. right we've right. seen it happen in in our region here before yes right we've seen it happen and these kinds of churches are just those churches you know in incubation right now mm-hmm. and it'll happen to them soon yeah yep and 15 years we'll get to say the i told you so Exactly. Sadly, we'll get to see the eyes of Jesus. So the call is for those those pastors to repent um, and consider even stepping down from their position. Mm-hmm. And the call is for those who are under discipline, who are running around, to go back and be reconciled by repenting. Mm-hmm. And and if you're looking for a good and faithful church, is to follow Matt's advice and go find a church that is going to tell you, here's how we walked out discipline, and then compare mm-hmm. that with the scriptures and see if they've been faithful in that. Yeah. I, I was so encouraged. I remember um, it was Ben Johnson who sat down when they first uh, became, well, they were actually in their membership um, interviews, and they said, he said, how hard are you going to make it on me if I walk in unrepentance? Hmm. Mm-hmm. I was like, so I, I'm not sure if anybody asked me that, but that's a good question. He's like, <laughs> let me give you some examples. <laughs> you know, what if I decide I'm going to go, you know, <laughs> abandon my wife or you know, give me a big one and he gave me some like you know, seemingly smaller one. Yeah, what are you going to do? It's a great example. So some other uh, examples of this would be like biblical counseling, right? Everyone's going to say that they like biblical counseling. But what you're talking about is counseling that actually like does something. Mm-hmm. Versus like a slower paced counseling versus being quicker to the punch for us, right? Because usually when people say they like biblical counseling, they're recognizing that, oh, yeah, the pastors do more than preach. Uh, They want to care for you too. And care is what? Define that. 
by what standard? Because then we're going to get thrown back on our face. Well, you didn't care for them well. Right. By what standard? Yeah. I, I didn't take nine months for them to work out this issue. Right. Versus two weeks, right. a week. Right. Because another one would be effectual discipleship, very close to that. Like, there are a lot of problems in our church, sins in our church that we can fix with a quick text to a person. Mm-hmm. And and the faithful brothers and sisters of, of Christ the Lord Church repent on the spot. They do. We just mm-hmm. send them a text and they're like, oh, yeah, you're you're right. I'm, I'm I've sorry. seen it happen. We shouldn't have done that. Forgive me. Yeah. I'll go make it right. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. We call out a, another church, an elder, and like, hey, guys, we saw this, this issue with someone in your body. Just wanted to encourage you to say something to them. Um, and it takes nine months for it to play out. It's mm-hmm. something that could have been fixed with a quick text. Right. 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 <laughs> right. Because it's a it's not that it's hard. A, it's a journey to a to a hopeful conversation, maybe where I can bring that up with them. No, and you know, past you have to, we have to build trust and all this stuff. It is no, it is. no, not at all. And and you know you when somebody else bolts and, and is and is heartily welcomed by other um, quote unquote churches uh, that's, un, that's under discipline, our desire is for their repentance because we care about the holiness of God, and we also care about you. Mm-hmm. Because as soon as you do something mm-hmm. that steps on their toes, they'll do the same thing to you. Well, so that's one of the other potential issues here on a biblical issue versus ministry philosophy is that we're talking about actual qualified and practicing elders yeah. versus just food trough fillers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do you mean by food trough fillers? I mean those Jude shepherds who care only about themselves and they're consuming... the the cattle that they're raising mm-hmm. by just putting out a message that's good enough for them to eat, mm-hmm. keeps them happy. And so maybe I never will do anything that gets them to turn on me because I don't have a spine or I'm just using these people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, you want to know the pastors who can't use their sheep? It's the ones that actually challenge them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. For all of the, all of the accusations of, of bullying, domineering, blah, 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 that we might accrue over the years. It's not because we're trying to use these people for ourselves. That's the mm-hmm. surest way to get rid of people. Exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, that's what James tells me, right? <laughs> I mean, and especially in today's market. Yes. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so th- that's the, I, th- I think we've given you enough examples, and they all kind of keep building up for some reason to those pastors, right? Yeah. As it should. That's that's the way that biblical leadership works. So let's talk about one of the uh, biggest problems that we have when we deal with, when we're talking about the holiness of God, because the holiness of God is a little ambiguous in some cases when we're saying, well, we care about it. They're going to say, well, we care about it too. Well, the holiness of God has things that come along with it. And if you look at simply the biblical story, we see the holiness of God is offended by man in the garden, thus bringing on curse for them and needing redemption to be restored back into a set-apartness, sanctified set-apartness, back into that sacred holy state rather than being profane and under curse, right? Mm -hmm. That's the simple story. Mm -hmm. Well, so what does that mean then for us in practice? How do we live that out day to day? Because we need to make sure that we understand what we're saying when we don't emphasize the holiness of God. What we're saying when we don't emphasize the holiness of God is that we don't care about actual justice, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In Wait, a world screaming justice right now. Who's allowed right. to talk about justice? Well, not us. <laughs> the true church. <laughs> so that's that's where I think we should go uh, next and helping people see how this holiness is connected to justice. Yeah. Yeah, I think one of the ways that true that we are thwarting uh, true justice right now in, in our in our current climate. And that is the canonization of lived experience, mm-hmm. the or the way I would say it is the uh, the authority given to lived experience. Mm-hmm. So someone might say, "Well, well, this person and what they've written about you, like his reviews, were an honest assessment of his experience." Okay, well, so the question is, is uh, I, I get it. He's being uh, truthful to his perception, 
of his experience. But the assumption there is that his perception of his experience is accurate. That sounds like that sounds like Catholicism. Mm. Now all of a sudden this this person's papal bull becomes equivalent to the scriptures. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So so but that that's a big assessment. That's a big jump, a big We should get little hats to send people. I was going to say we could just go around and start nailing stuff on church doors. <laughs> <laughs> so then that, that gets tricky. Oh, so what if he's got 20 people that agree with him? Right. It, 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 you have to come back to, could their perception of the experience be wrong? Yep. Hmm. And, and, then, and then here's the deal. True justice is going to explore the validity of those claims. The truth claims. The truth claims. Now, here's the deal. It, it doesn't mean every truth claim comes across your desk that or any person's desk, whether leadership or not. It doesn't mean you have to go explore that truth claim. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to accept that truth claim, if you're going to back that truth claim, if you're going to rubber stamp that truth claim. Oh, wait, we've moved beyond the papal bulls. Now we're into full relativism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, if you're going to accept it, then... You cannot call it justice unless you actually explore the validity of it mm-hmm. of each person. You can call it justice. You're just not in the church anymore. It's not God's justice. No, that's right. right. Yeah. It's the world's justice. That's right. Which is what's happening in our world today. Right. So this is where you see worldly ideology creeping its way into the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is there a flag for that? Or creeping into the church flags, probably. <laughs> That's your point earlier. Is like it's not the no dumb ones. Like if yeah. they have the rainbow, we get that. But yeah, it's, this is a flag all of its own too. Right. Yeah. No, you're exactly right. It's the um, it's the the gospel, you know, to, of the world today. Mm-hmm. It's the good news of the world. And the hard thing about these things is, you know, uh, Paul warns to watch out for plausible arguments. Mm-hmm. Right. So you you know, so we would say somebody's. Uh, experience in a situation has some value like we, we understand that we're willing to well, hear Pastor that Jeff, if you understand where they're coming from and you want to help them why don't you just go talk to them about it this is true because they won't talk to you this is true <laughs> <laughs> we, we are willing to have these conversations right. we want right. to examine the truth claims yeah we haven't shut down any of them no repeatedly we were told that they don't want to talk to us yeah door is open door is open but I want you to come and open the scriptures mm-hmm. and have That's a conversation right. about the Bible with me. That's right. And and I have said this for a long time, even before uh, Christ the Lord, that um, if you can show me from the scriptures where I am wrong and need to repent, uh, by God's grace, I'll do so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? But who's not interested in that? Who's not interested in the scriptures or in examining specific truth claims? Relativists mm-hmm. and false teachers. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Because exactly. they know they'll be cornered and they'll have to do something with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And well, then they and lose then, all of their currency. And, and then it goes to my, my most recent main mansplain in 10 that you either answer the fool uh, or you don't answer the fool is typically the way we interpret those verses. But but the point is is, is that we shouldn't answer the fool in accordance with or in kind to his folly, yeah. but we're to answer them so that we can relieve them of their ignorance. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem, is that people don't want to be relie- relieved of their ignorance because they've relieved the tension in their own hearts and minds by convincing themselves of a lie that that now if they have to open that up and address that lie, now the tension that they've relieved is going to be back. Right. Um, and and that that blissfulness that that, that it's it's bliss. Which again, th- or that that ignorance rather is bliss. That ignorance is bliss. Which again, it, this is why this is so dangerous because those who would would continue in that, right? First um, Pe- uh, Peter says that we are no longer ignorant, right? Mm-hmm. We know the truth from the lie, but those who would persist in that in unrepentance and and then even uh, believe that um, that they're um, their cries against those who are speaking the truth is is a manner of justice mm-hmm. um, or that they're doing some honorable thing, show themselves to be goats, 
mm-hmm. right? And still mm-hmm. be walking in ignorance. But those who would pander to them, right, um, are gonna are gonna um, open the door to hell for them, mm-hmm. and and pat them on the back as they walk through. Yep, because the other implication that becomes obvious when you have to start engaging is that you're not just punching the elders of that church. When people write to us and and disagree and accept these members that have moved on and discipline, they realize that as we start to engage them that the implication is actually, it's not even an implication, it's it's explicit. Mm -hmm. You're disagreeing with the entire church. The church. The members of this church as well. They're the ones who vote on excommunication. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so now now all of a sudden you have to explain to them why they were wrong. These people that know this person, these mm-hmm. people that have done life with this person yeah. longer than you have yeah. and in deeper ways than you have, you yeah. have to explain to them why they were wrong. Yeah. And they don't want to do that. Yeah. yeah. This is probably another, well, we, we could refer you guys to go listen to um, the King's Table podcast about what is good preaching. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's another conversation about just all the other practices of, of a faithful shepherd and, and what's that supposed to look like because you find these guys who are willing to open their arms to these quote-unquote so, so-called so victims, mm-hmm. you know, um, who have been abused. And that feels good. It feels good to be the... The refuge. Be, yeah, the refuge, to be the savior, right? And a very high estimation of themselves. Um, and you can fill up a church that way, man. Uh, but just not with sheep. Yeah. Galatians 5 is helpful with that one in examining these truth claims. Because when we go back and we look at these people that we're discussing, um, uh, you know, verse 17 and 18 says that for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other so that you are uh, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Here's the list then. The acts of the flesh are obvious. The, obvious. The Greek word for that is obvious. obvious. Uh, sexual immorality, <laughs> impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, seen a few of those. selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So why, when we look at these people who are still practicing that and are not being and not being <laughs> disciplined in your church, even while they practice that, you're going to maintain that they've been walking in the spirit the whole time because verse 17 tells me that they can't. Mm-hmm. It's one or the other. So not only have they been disciplined from here and you maintain that they were walking in the spirit, they're still doing this at your place and they're still not under your discipline either. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But if they're walking by the spirit, and we're we're walking by the flesh. This doesn't make sense to me. Mm. Make it make sense. Make it. So, to kind of bring us towards the, to a close here, one of the other things that we've encountered a lot is people. Um, some of these pastors will will take this stance because of that victim side of it feeling good, like you just mentioned. Yeah. Uh, along the lines of like they felt trapped under our leadership, or they couldn't have a conversation. Mm. We've kind of already addressed. The having conversation piece. Uh, but the feeling trapped thing. Let me pause you and reiterate that just to be double clear. I don't know that it will matter, <laughs> but please clear. do. Right. <laughs> um, I am willing to have a conversation with anybody that would like to, like I said earlier, open the scriptures and uh, by God's grace, seek to walk in faith and repentance with me. Let's do that. Mm-hmm. The door is open, man. Now, is it domineering because you know the scriptures well? And you'll use them against no. them? No, it's not wrong if I know the Bible better than you. Okay. Yeah. I've been told it is. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, you can't make them feel like they know it less than you. Right, exactly. So you got to act dumb. Yeah. So I just, I'm sorry, I just wanted to reiterate that. Yeah. Like, I am, if you, I mean you know that. what? Here's what you can't, you can't rebut what they say too fast. Because mm, then it'll be like you're being dismissive. Dismissive and you're not doing the work. Yeah, you gotta shake your head and say, "Hmm." Doing the work. Mm. You, you gotta listen for at least three sessions before you say anything yeah. back. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. If but they, even then, but you gotta do it with like tears and like a head hung low. Even though they already made their decision, right? Yeah. Before yeah. the first meeting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, there's there's a, a theory out there. It's not even a theory. It's a practice out there with elephants, right? So when elephants are young, they tie them to a stake with a rope. Mm-hmm. Now. 
at that point this is this is one of your metaphors that i'm actually familiar with but it's not a, uh, an obscure movie this is but, true but, but i am a, not it's so not a random going. movie <laughs> come on for me and the rest of the dumb people please continue well i'll start i'll I'll, re- I'll reset it for you matthew pastor matthew why do you suppose that they string elephants full-grown large elephants with tree trunk legs how are they held secure by a simple tiny piece of twine to a stake in the ground I have no idea. Because uh, when they were babies. I'm, because I'm, when they were babies, they were held by that exact same thing, and they couldn't break it then. So they have been conditioned all their life to think that this tiny piece of string, that they could break at any moment, is enough to secure them to the ground. Got it. Okay. No one's holding you here but you. Mm-hmm. In our covenant, we talk about how to leave. Mm-hmm. We know there's a time when people have to move on. We just said goodbye to some of our dear friends this week. They moved yeah. on. They did it pretty well. It's yeah. not that hard. Yeah. You can leave. No mm-hmm. one's holding you hostage here. Mm-hmm. The only thing that holds you hostage here is your sin. That's right. And yeah. that's the problem that we usually run into. Yeah. It's a Scooby-Doo meme of when they're unfacing the criminal mm-hmm. at the end of every episode, right? Yep. And it says, that church bullied me. And then you take off the mask and it says, they wouldn't let me sin freely. Exactly. They wouldn't <laughs> let me sin freely. I've seen that one before. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and as you brought up earlier, those those are those folks who are bound um in the eyes of heaven you're not free you're not you're not free you're still bound you're not mem- you're not members in good standing of those churches you're still um excommunicated under disciplined members of our church mm-hmm. or, or or this applies to any faithful church that's disciplined yeah. folks and found people finding you know quote unquote refuge for mm-hmm. their refuge for their sin yeah in, in other churches yeah. yeah it goes for them too they're not free mm-hmm I can think of at least two other examples of of people that have, were not here. Like so, the, so the family we just said goodbye to this past Sunday. You know, they've been here, you know, for a decade, mm-hmm. over a decade, um, and sad to see them go. Uh, really, really sad to see them go. But I can see, I can think of people with less deeper roots. Uh, you know, roots of with only a year, year and a half, that um, you know, in, in my estimation, had silly reasons. Um, they were not uh, good reasons to leave. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, one uh, like was doctrinal, and the other was geographical. Mm-hmm. And I think both of those things could be could could have been worked on. Um, but but both of those families left um, have since found um, uh, other churches and uh, have good relationships with them. Uh, I personally have have gotten together with both of them um, multiple times since they've left mm-hmm. and had good conversations. One of the, one of the people have been having conversations about a book they're, they're, li- they're uh, reading, multiple books they're reading on how to lead their wives better. So I'm like mm-hmm. pastoring this person from a distance mm-hmm. when I don't even agree remotely with their reason for leaving. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but, but there's still a good relationship there. Were they, so this, in, were they in sin when they wanted to leave? No. Did they... I mean, was their sin present? Yes. But were they leaving sinfully or were they under discipline for something? Like, no, mm-hmm. there, there, there wasn't. But was their sin... Did, could I see sin in their life? Sure. Well, absolutely. Sure. Was that sin... Had that sin been addressed or addressed directly or what? No, not yet. If they'd have stayed here, it would have been addressed eventually. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they were running from that, mm-hmm. um, at least not explicitly. So yeah, there there was no, and, and so this idea that people, you know, are trapped under is just garbage from a fool. Mm. It sounds a lot like hot garbage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it smells like it too. It, it, it sounds like someone who's bitter. It's yeah. it's coming from false teaching. Yes. Yeah. It's <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. Amen. Yep. So. Uh, I said to wrap us up already once before. Uh, well, I would say that, uh, Jeff, you mentioned that earlier. Because um, th- the way that we then go forward in this and relating to those people is that they are not members of that church that they went to. Yeah, They remain bound, disciplined members of our church. Yeah. Right? So, other church, you are further using them because you don't have to give an account for their soul because they were never yours. Right. Now you're just using them and abusing them. Right. 
you're keeping them from seeing the the depth of their sin right that is supposed to be a warning to them so that they would be saved on right. the day and and we have to give an account and we for do them. and that's why we will con- that's in part why we're having this conversation and that's right. why we would break fellowship over right this issue right right because yeah. you're abusing our members yeah all right what one last thing so there's 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 what about in a situation where just a disgruntled member leaves mm-hmm. they leave they're not happy about things but it's not church discipline maybe it's just immaturity or whatever but for some reason there's uh there's there, there is the reality of relationships with yeah. some people just and, and despite Ephesians 2, just can't quite, quite get along, right? That's sure. right. So they go down the road. And and then now the pastor of that church feels a sense of, well, I don't know if I could have the pastors from the church you came from mm. come preach here any longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a problem. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a huge problem. That's a problem. Yeah. So now you're saying someone's sin of bitterness— mm-hmm is going to uh, be the line in the sand Mm -hmm. uh, for our relationship over here. Mm -hmm. So the, the, now, now what I see people doing, which makes at least more sense and is, and is, it's not okay, but it makes more sense is person A is embittered. The church they've gone to now believes the same things for which that person is bitter. And so they jump in the wagon together, and then now the relationship's broken with that other church. We've kind of addressed that that garbage already. Mm-hmm. But here we're talking about the pastors don't even agree with the or are not going to take the time to explore it, which is which is fine. Uh, if as long as you're not going to usher a judgment on it, mm-hmm. you know, as I was saying, like you don't have to assess every piece of it unless you're going to pass a judgment. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got this person who's who's embittered, uh, holding on to something, and you're going to let that be the thing that drives a wedge between you and another church. Mm-hmm. So you either tell the person to get over it, Joe is coming from down the road to preach, mm-hmm. or you help them get over it. Um, and also, by the way, Joe from down the road is coming to preach. <laughs> right. Because, like, listen, we're, I'm not going to provide a safe haven for your bitterness. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to provide for your quarrelsome, for your dissensions and your factions. Right. It's not going to be the place Galatians for you. Galatians 5, 19 through 21. And, and so when a pastor, mm-hmm. yeah, when a pastor does that, all he's doing is multiplying mm-hmm. the sin of one of their sheep. Mm-hmm. And then what's going to happen is as that sin takes uh finds a refuge in that place it will seep out like gangrene and infect the whole congregation yeah it It might take 10 years for it to do it but it'll do it yeah right and i've been saying this the reason that these guys will do that is because they care more about the praise of their people than they do about the glory of god they've got the cart before the horse right Mm -hmm. and and our culture is ripe for that today you are a hero um if you are that kind of a dude Right. So we get all your currency. Exactly. Exactly. Just because it's not in gold and silver. Right. And and again, that's why this that's why this conversation is vital. That's why it's it's so important. It it's always been important. That's mm-hmm. the problem. That's why we're here. It's because churches have not taken church discipline seriously yeah. because they haven't taken sin seriously because they haven't taken the holiness of God seriously. So that's the reason we're in this place, right? Mm-hmm. And if we're going to push back against uh, the craziness, and if the church is going to go forward and make disciples of all nations and teach them to adhere to everything that King Jesus has commanded, um, we know that the gates of hell aren't going to stop the, the true church mm-hmm. that's actually walking in faithfulness to the Scripture. And that's why we've, we're finding ourselves in in um, you know towns and um, cities across the country regions across the country where churches are are beginning to push back hard against the the darkness mm-hmm. and there's opportunities for cities and towns to be uh taken over to bow the the knee to king jesus and these 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 kind of churches are getting in the way mm-hmm. right absolutely and so faithful churches and faithful pastors are going to have to be willing to grow a spine mm-hmm. and to um 
call a spade a spade, right, in those situations, um, or call a wolf a wolf, or go to yeah. goat, mm-hmm. right, uh, however right. you want to put it. And so that's that's why these things are important, right? And, and I'm thankful for a few faithful churches here uh, in our region, and I I've seen a part of their faithfulness is um, their boldness in preaching and proclaiming the truth, in particular in preaching, but in areas of church discipline. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Right. Um, I. One of those, one of those churches, uh, a Congolese church, you know, <laughs> a dear f- friend who uh, had to walk out discipline with one of his closest friends, mm-hmm. right? Um, and there's plenty of excuses he could have made, but he's faithful to the scripture because he well, pull, and, because and, he loves this person and over repentance. very obvious sin, right? Right. But there were still people who didn't get it. Exactly. And oh, was, yeah. Oh, yeah. There was a chorus of complaints. There was a chorus of complaints, and there was plenty of people who said screw you we're going with him right and God has been faithful and um, it's because they care more about the glory of God than the applause of man yes right so amen well thank you gentlemen I want to encourage you guys to go be covenant keepers for this King Jesus that we serve right that's right amen be a covenant keeper well I hope that this has been helpful I want to encourage you to go know love and obey Jesus as Lord over all we'll see you next time